Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. There is no way Angelique Francis was going to pursue anything other than music, okay? It is in her blood, it's in her family. Her dad and her two sisters play in her band. You'll hear about her Juno award-winning blues album, Long River, and what it was like to share the stage with the legendary Buddy Guy. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. hearing some music, the title song actually, from Angelique's album Long River, which won Best Blues Album at the Juno Awards. And for her, becoming a musician was really a birthright. Both her folks play, there was a studio in her house when she was growing up, and she hopped on stage for the first time when she was just seven years old. Now, Angelique and her band are touring the country. Her dad plays drums, her sisters are on stage with her, and she stopped by the Q studio to tell me all about it. Here's my conversation with Angelique Francis. Hi, Angelique. Welcome to Q. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Happy to have you here. I watched while I was getting for this a video of you performing last year at Montreal Jazz Festival. Bonjour tout le monde. How is everybody feeling? You start playing electric bass. You put it down. You pick up an upright bass. You're playing the harmonica. You're singing your face off. You got your sisters there. You got your dad there. Like you have so much energy, so much going on. What does it take to to prepare? It's just practice (laughs) and lots of it. Um, There are many different rituals that I go through, but having the ability to, you know, have my family members by my side, always having my back is definitely a benefit for me. Yeah. Did you grow up with music in the house at all times? Yes. Yes, we did. It is very much a part of our tradition as a family. We used to jam after dinners every night and that kind of just morphed into us creating music together on the road. Every night? Yeah, yeah, it's the way that we interacted and had fun with each other and bonded. Okay, so since you're how old? Like like how 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 old are you as a little kid when you first start playing? Ever since I could remember, we were running around the house singing and making songs. It was kind of the way that we learned how to be ourselves whenever we learned how to spell our names, we would do it with a song. What did who controlled the playlist when you were growing up on the on the stereo like in the car when you were listening to music as a family? Oh, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember uh, one year we got a box set of 20th century classics. And so I really enjoyed listening to uh, Barry White, uh, Lionel Richie, uh, Michael Jackson. And then, of course, you know, we have the different classics that we love listening to, like Coco Taylor. 
uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Willie Dixon, and so on. Are both your parents art musicians? Uh, yes, yes. My mom used to sing when she was younger, but now you'll find her behind the camera uh, during a lot of our shows, filming videos and selling merchandise. Nice. And your dad obviously plays in your band. Yes, yes, he does. Okay, so tell me a bit about his musical history. Well, part of the aspect of growing up around music is that we had a studio in our home. Uh-huh. And so I would grow up listening to my dad making amazing music. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to do when I grew up. What does he play? Um, in our band, yeah. uh, he plays uh, drums, but he is also, you know, a co-writer with me. Uh, and together we we produced our album entirely from home. We produced it over the pandemic. And so luckily with all these amazing emergent technologies, we were able to record uh, the album at home Um and together with my sisters who uh, play, you know, my sister, Carincia Francis, she plays saxophone. She plays alto saxophone, tenor saxophone and baritone saxophone. Mm-hmm. And my sister, Kira Francis, that plays um, trombone and she plays keys in our shows as well. And then also my youngest sister, Kayla Francis, was singing backup vocals on there as well. Oh, wow. And so we were all involved in this album. And during this time that we were able to produce music at home, um, we were able to continue to practice and develop our craft even when things were in lockdown. And so I feel very fortunate to have that ability to have something to carry you through the hard times. Oh, for sure. Not a lot of people can say that they can collaborate with their families on on any artistic work. I mean, that's a unique thing. So what is it about the way that you all get along that lets you collaborate together? Well, it's kind of the way that we communicate. Um, Ever since I was young, I used songwriting as a medium to express my emotions and as a way to connect with people. I grew up on the stage and music is something that really helped me become me. When you say you grew up on the stage, what like what do you mean? When tell me about your first appearance on on a stage that you remember from when you were a kid. Well, the first time I had the opportunity to perform in a major setting was when I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was the grand opening of my elementary school. And so it was a televised event and there was local news crews there as well. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought I would be afraid. But as soon as I stepped up on the stage um, and started singing, I saw how much people really resonated with that. Um, and I was always a shy child. So you were? This, yeah, I was. I was. I'm surprised. <laughs> well, it's music for you. Music gave me confidence. Music helped me meet people. And then I have to ask you about this. At 13 years old, you write a theme song for the Gail King show. Yes. Okay, this is like Oprah's bestie, Gail King. <laughs> what happened? Well, uh, we've always been such big fans of Gail King and the Oprah Network. Um, and there were a few videos circulating online about Gail looking for a new theme song. Uh-huh. And so I've been writing songs for a long time, longer than I've been performing. And we thought, you know what, let's make a song, a theme song for the Gail King show and send it to their team and, and see what they think. And they loved it. <laughs> they, the, their team loved the theme song and uh, it was aired on the Gail King show. Wow. How did you learn how to write songs? It's something that came naturally. I think one of my you know, earliest songs around the age of five years old was writing a song about how much I love drinking chocolate milk when the sun came up in the morning. <laughs> Do you remember how it goes? I, 
just enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the uh, the feeling of sunshine that the morning brought me. And then I felt the same way about chocolate milk. <laughs> and so I think with writing songs, it's something that came naturally to me because I'm of the belief that there's no such thing as bad music. I think that um, the first step to writing and becoming a songwriter or doing anything is to be fearless and just try it. Mm-hmm. Make it for yourself. See how that makes you feel and also discover um, who you might be and, and what kind of stories that you want to tell. And then you'll find your place. Let's listen to, to one of the songs from, from the album that won uh, Best Blues Album of the Year. This one's called Right as Rain. War, destruction, tune, silence. Thank you, can knock me down with violence. Throw it all my way. I'll come out unscathed. Angelique Francis with Right as Rain from her latest album, Long River. Tell me about this song. Well, there are many different ways that our album was affected by the pandemic. So the album was actually supposed to be coming out in 2020. The pandemic influenced our album. It's very different now than what it was supposed to be. And music has a way of connecting people despite distance. Um, And I found that, you know, even during these difficult times, people went to music. Um, They found togetherness via the different art forms that were being shared out there. And we wanted to help share messages of hope um, and happiness. And we wanted to communicate that, you know, no matter what happens, no matter what challenges we face, um, as long as we have each other, as long as we have music, as long as we share in that joy together, we'll make it out at the end of the storm, at the end of the rain. Got it. Got it. So in your acceptance speech, uh, you shouted out your your family members who made this album with you. Is this always what you saw for yourself? Like, was there ever any alternative or was it always going to be, I'm going to make music with my family? It's always been that way for me. I knew that I wanted to go into music in whatever form. And I knew that I'd always have my family by my side. But I'm so, so lucky that my sisters decided to pursue this path with me, that they wanted to be professional musicians as well. And so to be able to share that journey with them, I'm so, so fortunate to be able to do what I love with those that I love and always have home on the road with me. Do you have a favorite moment from being on stage with your family? I think it's little things, you know, like having the ability to kind of communicate with them just using eye eye contact and them knowing exactly what I mean. Um, There have been a few times where we have changed things up during our songs. And so we'll start off playing a random song on stage and I'll be like, you know what this song could use right now? A harmonica solo. And all I have to do is just give my sisters a little glance and they'll pop over and throw it over my head and, and they'll start you know, doing these crazy horn sections that they just materialized. It's so wonderful um, to have them be on their toes and also be able to create this amazing music together naturally. Yeah. Uh, You're so accomplished in in the blues. I mean, you've won a a Juno for Blues Album of the Year, and I don't want to harp on 
someone's age ever, but you're not even 30 years old yet. Like you're in your mid 20s, right? I'm 25. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's not often that, that we hear blues singers your age with the kind of depth that you sing with. What do you love about the blues? I think that the blues is so special and unique because it's at the root of all modern North American music genres. And so there's so many genres that we know and love today that have been influenced and created from the blues. So we have jazz, soul, rock, folk, funk, R&B, so many of those genres can draw from this tradition. And as a musician that does blues influence uh, music, I do many different genres that come from that tradition. And there's so many different things to call from. And so having the opportunity to combine this music and also educate people about music that they may have known this entire time but weren't aware of uh, is a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. Uh, You were on stage with Buddy Guy. Yes, yes, I was. legendary guitar player buddy guy what was that like it was incredible he's such a fantastic player and to be able to go up there with my sisters (laughs) (laughs) and play on the fly with someone who i've been watching my entire life to have the ability to do that, especially during his farewell tour, it was absolutely spectacular. Did he say anything to you backstage or like did you get did, did you get to have any personal moment with him that was not a musical moment? Yes, yes, he was uh telling me some stories backstage uh and uh about, you know, hanging out with some of other uh great blues legends that that I really love like um Big Mama Thornton. Uh, he was talking about his his times with her and is Big Mama Thornton somebody that you look up to? Very much yeah, so. Yeah, foundational, foundational. What what do you love about her playing? Her stage presence, the way that she commanded an audience, her vocals. I just want to let everybody know all about it. You ain't nothing but a um, and also to be a woman that played harmonica. was so special. She was such an incredible player, and I definitely draw from her influence. Yeah. Uh, Angelique, we're going to go out on on one of your songs. Which one would you like to pick for us? Uh, Let's do Heaven Water. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. It's been a blast talking with you. Yeah, you too. Congratulations on the album and your Juno. Thank you very much. That's Angelique Francis with Heaven Water from her Juno award-winning album, Long River. Angelique and the whole Francis family are touring across Canada this summer.
Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decodering, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power here on Q. Have a listen to this. With the dogs at the door, left like good lady on the floor. I'm as lonely as I can be. That is Sleepy Jean with As Lonely As I Can Be from her first full-length album, Shoot Me in a Dream. Sleepy Jean is from Welland, Ontario, but the album traces her family's roots and history starting from the 70s from Uganda. Shortly after the brutal dictator Idi Amin came into power, they had to flee their homes there. They had to leave their entire lives behind. And that moment impacted their family for generations. Sleepy Jean channels that story on her new album. She joined me to talk about it and to share a new song. Here's my chat with Sleepy Jean. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to have you here. You had your eyes closed as we were listening. It's always a weird thing to hear your own voice back. I'm yeah. still not used to it all the way. <laughs> Fair enough. How's it feel to have your debut album out in the world? It's a, it's a mixed bag of feelings, mainly relief and a lot of gratitude that I was able to put it all together and get it out there. It's taken a while, huh? About three years back and forth on this record, yes. Oh my. Well, congratulations. It's an achievement. And norm- normally it's a bit cliche to ask people about their, their band name or their moniker, but your name is Katie Gatta. You, wh- why did you choose to go as Sleepy Jean for music? Well, my middle name is actually Jeannie, which is where the Jean came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you were to ask any of my friends and family, I am an incredibly sleepy person. I once fell asleep behind the wheel during a driving lesson and the driving instructor had to call my parents and ask if I had been formally diagnosed with any kind of narcolepsy. Whoa. (laughs) Had you? No, I had not. I was just very, very tired. You were just tired. I can can fall asleep in the most... Interesting situations. Okay. I think that's a nice way of saying it. Okay, fair enough. If it mm-hmm. happens now, I won't be offended because I've got. I mean, the... I don't think it will today. <laughs> I had an extra cup of coffee. I think we're good. I love it. Sleepy Jean. Okay, it also makes me think of the monkeys, of course. Uh, yes, there's definitely a nod to 1960s culture. Love it. I love it. So your album uh, draws on your family history quite a bit, and it's really an interesting history that I wanted you to outline for for our listeners, if you could. So your family fled Uganda back in the 70s. Yes. So I. I was born to my on my dad's side. We are Parsi, which is a fancy way of saying ethnically Persian people who would have fled what's now known as Iran and Iraq in the eighth or ninth century, landed in India, adopted Indian customs, but kept their religion, which is Zoroastrianism. And then my grandparents both ended up in Uganda, where they met, started a family, 
and then fled when Idi Amin came into power in the 70s. And there was an Asian expulsion, I think, in 1972. So at that point, they left. Wow. And -hmm. they left, I'm assuming, under kind of scary circumstances. Oh, very much so. Uh, My grandfather actually stayed, my babawaji, that's what I called him. Uh, He stayed behind trying to close up shop. He was part owner in the first major bus company in Kampala, the capital. Oh, wow. So not only were they fleeing, but he was trying to get money out of the country, try and solidify some stuff. And I think he was actually smuggling people who opposed Idi Amin, like, out of their village to try and keep them safe. So sort of a political, um, I guess, rebel, we'll say? A little bit. I didn't find out about any of that until after he died. And it was kind of just said, oh, yeah, remember when he was smuggling people away from Idi Amin? That was crazy. Like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it was a little little crazy. Very much so. My dad remembers uh, them, the rest of the family, getting on a plane to go back to India and my grandfather staying behind. And your dad was a little kid at this point. He would have been seven. Seven. Yeah. Wow. So you learned about this from your father after your grandfather passed. Um, I think it was a different family member who told us about more of the, I guess, political activism, for lack of a better term. Uh-huh. Uh, but the stories have always been told. My parents, my it was never something that my dad dwelled on, but it was something that was definitely explained to us so that we could understand how good of a life we had in Canada. Yeah. And how, like, develop some gratitude for that. For sure. So when it comes to your own artistry, how did you end up weaving that family history into what you wanted to create? It was very subconscious. I didn't realize until somebody actually asked me to explain the lyrics of a song that I wrote that that was what I was channeling. I think it's a kind of universal immigrant story to describe fleeing a country of origin and coming to a new home and all of the strife and trauma and sacrifice that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And these stories bleed into my writing all the time, whether or not I'm aware of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say. So when you, I guess, was there a moment when you finished, finished the record that you were like, oh, this is what it was about? Sort of like retro, retrospectively Very much understanding. so. Um, one of the songs, No Tomorrow, very specifically, I didn't, I knew I was writing about the history, but I didn't realize to what extent until I was going line by line as we were cutting the vocals. I was like, oh, wow. I'm really describing my my Bapaji, my grandmother's experience of leaving her home country because she would have been, I think, 40 when they fled hmm. and had only ever lived in Uganda. So she left her home and left a daughter who had passed away behind and never returned Wow! to start a new life for her family, which is just, as I get older, I understand the gravity of that. What was your father's reaction when he heard... The music. My dad is a man of very few words, so it's not something we've ever openly discussed. Mm -hmm. But I think my family's ethos is that you honor the sacrifice that my grandparents made to get us here safely and start a new life for them. And anything that does that is A-OK with him. Wow. That's a... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's deep. What does it mean to you to be able to to do that um, just personally? I mean, I'm I'm incredibly proud of my family's history and it's to me it's an honor to get to talk about it and get to I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this program, but You it, can say it. I can say it. Oh yeah. My biology was a badass. He did incredible things with his <laughs> life and I'm proud that I get to talk about that in any capacity. Okay. Yeah. Well maybe we'll send this one out to him. Do you wanna do you wanna introduce the song for us? Um this is No Tomorrow by Sleepy Jean. 
was No Tomorrow by Sleepy Jean, sending that one out to her babalji. Her debut full-length album, Shoot Me in a Dream, is out everywhere now. And that's it for Q Today. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Linda Schuyler. She co-created the wildly successful Degrassi franchise. Linda will tell you how she went from school teacher to TV executive and what it was like when Drake, or as she likes to call him, my little Aubrey came in to audition for the show. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. See you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.